0: I'm Kim Grinnells of dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, Washington. Number 17 takes on number 21, USC at Husky Stadium, 1230 kickoff. Weather, we'll see what happens. It looks like rain this morning and possible clearing this afternoon, but uh, we'll hope that the weather gods treat us well. But. You never know what's going to happen in Husky Stadium. A couple of weeks ago, we weren't expecting a two hour and 39 minute lightning delay either, and that happened. But USC coming in a little bit banged up, missing their quarterback, their safety, and another quarterback. So, Chris Vetters, how big of a deal is that going to be, missing Ke- Keaton Slovis and having Matt Fink play?
2: Well, I think it could be huge. I mean, if people remember back in 2009 when USC was ranked third in the country, Their quarterback had to be, I don't remember who was, it was injured, but uh, a guy named Aaron Corp had to be the guy that came in, and that was his first career start. It happened to be at Husky Stadium, loud environment, obviously uh, a bit unruly, uh, getting guys distracted, getting guys off their point, and yeah, this will be Matt Fink's first career start as a quarterback. I can't think of much tougher environments to go in for your first career start than Husky Stadium at a 12-30 game, especially with the students back. We know that school just started on Wednesday for fall quarter. So, yeah, I, I expect the, the crowd today to be incredible, and, and that's going to be really, really tough for a guy like Matt Fink.
0: And, Scott, I don't think it matters who's going to start at quarterback for USC because you take a pure freshman like Slovis and put him into the eight-man coverage that Washington plays, or Matt Fink, who may think he knows what it's about with what Utah showed him, but... This Washington secondary is a different animal.
1: Yeah, it's better than it's better than Utah's secondary by far. And uh, you know, one thing that Chris Peterson said, and um, I'm going to echo it, is he said it's not about what they're doing; it's about us doing what we're supposed to be doing, and that's really what they're focused on. I think that Washington, as long as they're they're their defensive guys, remember their rules, remember the the technique they've been taught and and what the coaches went over with them as they were game planning. I think Washington should do pretty well defensively against USC.
0: And Scott, we talked about this a while back uh, on KJR where USC has a dynamic, dynamic five star recruit who had a good year last year and Stephen Carr. What has happened to Steven Carr? Because I'm telling you, he doesn't look the same. He's not producing the same. I know that they have another running back. But, boy, that kind of a talent, not doing what he did last year, is kind of surprising.
1: Well, last year, you know, Carr and Veave Malopeiai, um kind of split time. And, and Malapai is more that just get-downhill Bruise you, batter you, bat, you know, just bash his head into a wall on the defense kind of guy. And with Graham Harrell bringing this offense in, this this air raid offense that they're that they're running now, and or at least a version of it, uh, Stephen Carr just doesn't seem to fit into their plans at all. I think what was he uh, three carries for minus 16 yards last week, whatever it was. And I just don't think he feels real comfortable down there. I never I never thought that a guy like Clay Helton really Coveted what Stephen Carr brought to the table, and I, I've i loved that kid. I think it was. I think he would have been great in Washington's system, and um he's really finding out that sometimes it's not always great to stay stay close to home.
0: And Chris, if you're going to protect a quarterback like that, especially if we get weather. Uh, during the day, the best way to do that is with the running game. Do they have the offensive line and the scheme to be able to effectively run against Washington?
2: Well, you'd think they would. I mean, it is USC. I mean, these guys, they got blue chippers up and down the roster, so you'd think they would have what it would take to uh, to do that. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that, that people that follow Washington recruiting would remember, guys that Washington tried. Brett Nealon, for instance, their center, uh, Justin uh, Detich, the the backup center. These are all guys that Washington really really liked. Um, you know, I mean, they've got guys that can get the job done. There's no doubt. I think Drew Richmond is a transfer in, and and uh, you know, it sounds like he's done pretty well. If you listen to guys like Ryan Abraham from USC football, and and the guys that we talked to down at USC, you look at Elijah Vera Tucker, for instance, Austin Jackson, um, Jacob Daniel, who moved from the defensive side. These are all guys that Washington recruited, and these are all guys that that are big, athletic guys that can move, can use their feet. So yeah, they've got a chance to do some things, but I just think with the Air Raid style, going back to what Scott said a little bit in in relation to Stephen Carr or Malapiai or any of the guys, Marquis Stepp, for instance, I think... In fact, I know a lot of the USC fans are wondering what is going on with Marquis know, He's a redshirt freshman, but he's 6 feet, 235 pounds. He's another guy like Malapiai that can really go run downhill and is really effective and can move the chains. But yet, the Air Raid style does not lend itself to running the ball a ton. And when you have that and you're going on the road, and like you said, Kim, you want to try to slow things down a little bit eat some clock, move some chains. You would typically do that running the ball, but air raid kind of takes
0: that out of the equation a little bit. As much as you fear the running game and the athletes at USC, uh, Scott, Matt Fink last week was throwing up a lot of jump balls. Is that going to fly with the Washington defensive backs, Keith Taylor? Um, Elijah Molden, and maybe Dominic Campton or uh, Trent McDuffie out there. Or we Kyler saw, Gordon, yeah. Yeah, we saw a lot of that. Uh, do you, those wide receivers are enough to you know, strike fear into anybody. There's, they've got three receivers that I think everybody expects to play on Sundays. How big of a deal is that, the wide receiver uh, core against Washington's defensive back? Is that the key matchup of the day?
1: Oh, I would say so, at least when Washington and, and uh, you know USC has the ball and Washington's on defense. Washington offensively, we can talk about that in a second what the matchup of the day there is, but I, I really think it's going to come down to how Washington handles the ball in the air. Keith Taylor has had some struggles with the ball in the air. We saw what, he, what happened last week when he dropped a sure interception, kicked it up, and the guy caught a touchdown pass out of it. And uh, he's probably been given the business by his teammates and his coaches all week. I'm sure that's something that he's going to be focusing on. He actually didn't he either win or almost win a best hands in the room one year. I, I I'm I'm not remembering. It was how. last year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's not like he doesn't have the ball skills. He just whatever for whatever reason he hasn't done very well when the ball was in the air this year. That being said, you know uh, he's he's a guy that Washington. Really needs to be really good, and I think they're going to put him out on Micah Pittman, who's about six four, two hundred and twenty pounds. He's going to match up against him. Uh, Elijah Molden, I have a feeling, will be the one uh, covering. Uh, Amon, is it Ross, Saint, Saint Brown? Uh, right. That, that the, and, and then uh, you'll have either Kyler Gordon or uh, uh, McDuffie out on the other guy. And and I I think that if the ball is in the air and washing, and it's a fifty fifty ball or Whatever, if if things going to throw the ball up like that, I think Washington's going to have a much better chance at making a play on the ball than than the Utah defensive backs did, who looked kind of clueless when when the ball was in the air.
0: Chris, you anticipate the same defensive scheme, similar to what we see uh, against Washington State's air raid, as well as what we saw maybe last week at Utah.
2: I think so. I think you know. Also, Washington's already played a wide open style already with Hawaii's run and shoot. And we saw in that game that they ran as many as six and seven DBs out there, so that wouldn't shock me at all. I think one thing we do need to know, though, is that when Fink does throw up those balls up there to whether it's Michael Pittman or Tyler Vaughns or Amon Ross, St. Brown, you know, Washington still has those two safeties in 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 Miles Bryant and the true freshman Cameron Williams. I think Washington fans should hope that they're going to play the ball better than like Utah's Blackman did, for instance. He Scott alluded to, it kind of looked a little foolish at times. He was a converted uh, converted uh, cornerback that just did not track the ball in the air at all. But again, you're talking about a true freshman in Cameron Williams. This is going to be a monster stage for him going up against one of the best wide receivers in the country in a guy like Michael Pittman, especially with right. those 50-50 balls. So I, I think it's just one of those things that's going to be a key matchup and Miles Bryan, I think, is going to have to try to help a little bit. I think there's a couple of guys that I think we need to watch for today. I think one of them is Keith Taylor, as Scott talked about. He struggled against BYU. I think he's got to come back strong. I think the competitor in Keith Taylor is not going to let that game lie. I think he knows he's got to come back big, and I think he'll do that. The other guy to watch out for, I think, guys, is is, uh, Asa Turner. I think Asa Turner could be one of those safety types, over the top, that could really cause problems for a guy like Michael Pittman if he can get in his grill a little bit. Because you're talking about a 6-4 Pittman matchup against a six-three, six-four 3 Asa Turner. I think that could be a heck of a matchup.
0: And a guy I think you may be sleeping on a little bit in Hawaii. We saw them not go with two safeties, but they went with three, and they brought in Brandon McKinney, who's got a lot more experience. And uh, I think Brandon McKinney could see the field quite a bit, too, running the three safeties and him running a little bit where they only have one linebacker on the uh, field and McKinney playing kind of that hybrid linebacker uh, safety and running three of those guys at a time.
1: Yeah, I I fully agree with you that that I think we'll see – a lot of the defensive backs uh, this week. I think Isaiah Gilchrist will also see some time, some playing time too. I think you're going to see Washington try to, Alex cook will also be in there. I think you're going to see a lot of different situations and, and guys playing and, and all that kind of stuff. Alex cooks ball skills should be pretty dang good since he's a good wide receiver, since he was a uh, wide receiver prospect for Washington. And, and uh, I, I think that the, when the ball is in the air, that is when Washington's going to need to make plays because if they can make plays with the ball in the air, Matt Fink is going to get skittish and that's when they they become one-dimensional.
3: Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you.
4: Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast.
0: Something to keep an eye on. Talking to um, Ryan Abraham earlier this week, he talked about them only bringing one scholarship quarterback. The backup is a converted defensive back. And then wide receivers have been getting reps at quarterback this week. Uh, would you like to see Amon St. Brown at uh, at quarterback?
1: Well, who wouldn't want to see, see uh, a converted wide receiver at quarterback? But, no, I, I you know, I, I think USC is going to do everything they can to keep Matt Fink upright, and I think that they're going to do everything they can to just kind of grind this down. This could be, uh, if they are smart about this, this could be a very fast game from a playing time standpoint because they could just decide they're going to, pin their ears back and run the ball against Washington who's really kind of struggled against the run uh, in recent weeks and I think that's something that Washington fans need to be aware of that they might see a lot more running by USC.
0: You could talk about USC's offense you can talk about uh, Washington's uh, defense but I think the key matchup for the game is Washington's offensive line versus USC's defensive line. Washington's offensive line I think it's just playing fantastic and lights out and you face them against USC's very, very physical defensive line.
1: Yeah, I I, that's this was my matchup of the day when Washington has the ball. I think their offensive line needs to establish themselves and continue to play really well. I think you need to see Washington get, uh, you know, I I think they need to have at least 150 to 200 yards on the ground. They really need to pound away at this defense. Their defensive backs are average. Their their linebackers are good. They're talented, but they're they're just okay. They they overcommit. It's really the front four or front three, how whatever defense they're kind of playing for USC that's really going to make the difference. I think Drake Jackson is going to get after things. I think like Chris Chris and I both talked about. You poo pooed it, Kim, but Chris and I talked about it uh, at, on the radio show on Wednesday that Drake Jackson is going to give. Trey Adams, all he can handle out there on the on the edge. And, and that's going to be a fun matchup to watch those two going at it.
0: And I'm just not convinced that a freshman can come in and give a fifth year starting senior preseason All-American candidate for the past two years. I think the uh, freshman will be humbled by that left side of the offensive line. I, I One thing I started to see a lot a little bit of last week, especially in the second half, is some swagger and some nastiness and them just kind of just abusing BYU's defensive front and going back to the huddle and kind of laughing about it. So um, I think that the swagger and the confidence level of that offensive line is at an all-time high. And Drake Jackson, as talented as he is, I think he gets humbled this week with the tag team of Luke Wattenberg, Trey Adams, and then just for good measure, Kate Otten kind of coming around the edge and kind of chipping him as well.
2: Well, that that may be the case, Kim, but it's not as if he's a one-trick pony with USC. Because you've also got to deal with Marlon Tuipolotu, which I know Washington mm. fans are very well of what Marlon's capable of doing. You've got to deal with Jay Tufele. You've got to deal with Brandon Peeley. You've got to deal with Caleb Tremblay. You've got to deal with Christian Rector and Connor Murphy, who both played in the 2016 game in Seattle. So they know what that environment's all going to be about. They've also got to deal with Hunter Eccles, Giuliano Fallonico. You know, they're... There's just a ton of guys that USC rotates with that defensive line, and I think that's why you spotlighted it in the beginning of this segment as the matchup to watch uh, today because it's just it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. That's what that's what Nick Harris said this week. He called it a bloodbath. They know what they're going to be up against, and it's going to be up to Washington's offensive line to set the tone early and get after these guys a little bit in the run game to try to put them on their heels a little bit. Because we talked about USC not having Talanoa Hofunga, not having Elijah Griffin, the two defensive backs that started against Utah. But they're hurting in the linebacking core too. I mean, they've got five guys in their linebacking core right now at least that that are have been hurt for a while now in terms of Solomon Tulia Pupu, who was big-time uh, linebacker, Elijah Winston, Jordan Eosefa, Bryce Matthews, Abdul Malik McLean. I mean, you, this is like a walking wounded roster for the Trojans right now. And, and they're coming in and they're licking their wounds a little bit. But we all know that sometimes when you put a team like that in a corner, they can come out really swinging. And so that's why I think it's so important for Washington's offensive line to set the tone and set the tone early.
0: Well, you know, they can overcome those linebacker issues with the quality coaching they have there.
2: The linebackers coach, Yes. Very good, very good coach,
0: Johnny Nansen, our favorite. <laughs> but uh, Washington was uh, making hay underneath in uh, the linebackers last week, and it wouldn't be surprising to see them do the same this week. But you know, Scott, one of the things that I've noticed against with USC last week was you know kind of you know uh, an example where, as talented as those defensive linemen are, they do a lot of undisciplined, stupid things, late hits personal fouls, hands to the face, jumping off sides. And it was almost like they were trying to shoot themselves in the foot a lot of the time. And Washington's coaching staff, you know, as experienced as it is, I'm sure that they're going to maybe try to take advantage of the undisciplinedness of the USC front four.
1: Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if they did try and do something like that. But Washington hasn't been immune from the penalties either. I, how, do, how many penalties did they have last week? Was it 10? Eight in the first half, eight in the first half. Yeah, Yeah. whatever it was, I mean, they they need to make sure that they are taking care of their business and worry about getting USC to to, uh, jump off sides or do whatever, uh, you know, as an ancillary kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, Kim, I was also
2: going to say really quickly, one of the things that was a real downfall for Utah, for instance, Utah had 16 penalties in that game against USC. Washington can't get anywhere near that number. If they hope to pull out a win and a convincing win.
0: Well, with Washington last week against BYU, eight in the first half and only two in the second half. So it looks like they, you know, cleaned a lot of that up. And some of the stuff that they were doing was just stupid stuff, jumping off sides, lining up wrong, and I'm sure that they will get that taken care of. It's a home game, not an away game. So uh hopefully some of that cleared up. Uh we'll see if the weather has a factor, but you know, we've gone how far into this podcast and we haven't even really talked about, you know, the superstar that I think has emerged and that's Jacob Eason. And uh, boy, he sure looked good. He looked good lately.
1: Yeah. I think he's looked unbelievable. I think this could be the nice, the nicest stretch of Washington quarterbacking we've seen in quite some time. I would say probably you could go all the way back to man, Marcus to maybe. I don't know. You know, as far as throwing the ball, I mean, we were probably talking like Cody Pickett.
0: Cody uh, Pickett, yeah. Yeah,
1: but but Cody Pickett threw 5-yard passes to Reggie Williams and let Reggie Williams run for 75 yards. So, uh, Are you guys, Are you
2: guys really throwing Jake Browning's 2016 season under the bus here? Really?
1: Yeah, I you know oh, Are you,
2: seriously? Really?
1: I, I guess when I it guess comes I'm to just... throwing, when it comes
0: to throwing the football, I haven't seen anything this impressive in a long time. Yeah, I, I, wow. I would, I would okay. agree with him, especially. Yeah, and one thing Jake Browning, I mean, Jacob Eason has been able to do that we haven't seen a quarterback at Washington be able to do in a long time, and that's exploit the middle. And Jacob Eason has the height to see over the middle, and when we talk about that quarterback competition that he had with Jake Hainer, everything Hainer was completing was outside the tackles, but Eason seems to be carving up that middle because. He can actually see over the offensive line. His windows look different than a Jake Browning or a Marcus Tuiasosopo or an Isaiah Standback or a Keith Price. He has that height, he has that vision, and he has the arm strength to complete the stuff over the middle like I haven't seen. I can't remember the last time I saw it.
1: Hey, Chris, to answer your question, I, I think I'm more not necessarily on the throwing standpoint. I think it's more just putting your team the team on your back and kind of carrying things. I don't think... Jake Browning did that as much um, in, in that 2016 season because Washington basically got out on on teams so early in those in those games for the most part. Um, you know, I just I, I've seen the way that Jacob Eason is handling himself, the way the throws he's making, the way he's really stretching the defense, not just vertically, but also uh, horizontally and making them cover different things and making throws that the that these defenses haven't seen from Washington in quite some time I think that's more what I'm talking about as far as quarterback play of course you can't really argue with what Jacob uh, Browning Jake Browning did uh, back in 2015 or 2016 you know the putting up the numbers he did and all those things he did have one of the you know, greatest wide receiver seasons of all time at the university of Washington. And what John Ross did that year, he had a, he got a great season out of Dante Pettis as well. Some of those, obviously some of that had to do with him and the way he was playing with those guys also were playing very, very well. And I just haven't seen the kind of receivers that, that, uh, you know, Jake Browning had in, in that season. Well, there's, Chris, no, there's
2: no doubt the wow factor With Jacob Eason is off the charts. I mean, we're not even, it's not even in the same stratosphere compared to, you know, if we compare Jake Browning to Jacob Eason, that's that's an old argument. But if you look at the way Jake Browning played against Stanford, at Oregon, at Cal, yes, he had John Ross. Yes, he had Dante Pettis. There's no doubt about it. But if you look at some of the throws that he made for those guys, I, you know, I I don't know. Maybe it's just horses for courses, but. and no, I've talked there, about I'm, this before. I'm not trying to take anything away from Jacob Eason at yeah. all.
0: Well, uh- I, I keep on comparing it. It's you know the difference between you know a Wade Boggs and a Barry Bonds. Wade Boggs is going to single you to death like Jake Browning did, but uh, you know Barry Bonds puts the fear of God into you, and that's what Jacob Eason is doing. But you take a look at what Eason was able to do last week, and one of the reasons he looked so good was he pretty much had a clean pocket. And when the USC defensive coordinator is looking at the clean pocket he had and seeing that Eason can pick you apart. I'm sure they're going to try to get more pressure, bring some blitzes and stuff, and I think the key is not only that defensive line, but just seeing how Jacob Eason is, if he's able to exploit the pressure that I expect to come from USC, because I don't expect them to just be sitting back and letting him pick them apart like he did BYU last week.
2: No, because the thing about it is is that USC can probably bring the kind of pressure they need with just four guys. Well they and have that the talent going, to
0: do it. That's the difference.
2: That's but that is gonna be again the reason why you talked about spotlighting this matchup is the key thing because if USC can get what they need to get out of just four down linemen, then that means they can really start to muddy up the windows for Jacob Eason, legitimately. Because when again, like you said, when BYU only brought three, he tore them apart. When they started running Cover Zero and started bringing five six guys, he cut them apart as well, just in a different way. He was getting the ball out of his hands quicker. That slant to Andre Bocelli at the beginning of the second half. That All out blitz. All out blitz, Yeah, he Picked that. Yeah,
0: and up. that, and
2: and so if but but USC's defensive line is streets above what BYU could bring to the table, and so that is going to be huge if if. If Washington can shut them down to the point where USC has got to bring guys, and then we already know they're banged up on the back end because they don't have Talanoa Hafunga, they don't have Elijah Griffin, they're going to be relying on true freshmen, redshirt freshmen to get this job done that's where you would hope they'd be able to exploit some things.
0: And just real quick, Chris, you know, you talk about that throw to Andre Pichelli. Okay, I'm not going to credit Jacob Easton that. I had a chance to talk to Nick Harris, and uh, Nick was the one who picked up the blitz and made the line adjustment call that enabled him to get that out. So that's another reason with this offensive line. It's not just about blocking and getting open holes. It's about making the correct line calls, and having a guy like Nick Harris up front making those calls is going to be huge. That's true.
2: Absolutely. Everything's got to work in concert with everything else, if they if the offensive line does their job and gives Jacob Eason enough time to get the ball out on time, and he doesn't hesitate with his throw, and he throws it with accuracy and timing like he did all day against BYU, that's going to be a real tough a real tough combination for USC to handle. There's no doubt about that.
4: For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
0: Scott, Savon Ahmed, play, not play, does it make a difference?
4: At this point, uh, no, I don't think so. No, I, I,
1: you know, I I like Savon. I like the fact that he's a home run guy. Anytime you want him to, anytime you get the ball in his hands, he can take it the distance. But I I just see Sean McGrew and Richard Newton really kind of hitting their stride and able to grind things out on the ground. And I don't know if Savon Ahmed is that guy. i I'd, I'd really like to see the three of them get their carries. But sometimes it's better just to have two guys to go back and forth with instead of three and trying to figure out how we're going to get the ball in their hands. Uh, you know, I, I think one thing they really have to do, if Savan Ahmed does play this weekend, I think what they're really going to have to do is try and figure out different ways to get him the ball in space. Like as a receiver, maybe run some pitches, maybe run some quick hitting things that he can get in space and make guys miss and get down the field. And, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm really torn because I think uh, Savon Ahmed is a really good player. But I think from a pure running back standpoint, I think Richard Newton and Sean McGrew have shown themselves to be more natural runners than Savon Ahmed is.
0: And Chris, last week they did miss Savon Ahmed, which, you know, he's got that outside speed threat. And you would have thought that they would have, uh, Washington last week, would have tried to attack that edge and get out in space with a guy like Chico McClatcher. Boy, they didn't. Chico didn't do much. They didn't even look at him that much. So is that something that we could see against USC more if Savon is back or Chico You know, try to get that edge exploited?
2: Well, if you notice, they didn't use a lot of things like the fly motion or the screen game, like with the tunnel screens and things like that, which are usually that's what Chico's bread and butter is. I mean, those are the types of plays and the types of formations that they're going to run stuff for him out of. So, yeah, I don't know if they kind of schemed, end up kind of scheming him out of the game just a little bit, but I could I can see where it was going to be difficult for a guy like Chico to get the kind of touches that you'd want to see from him. Against USC, it might be a little different story. Depending on the kind of rush that they're going to put on uh, Jacob Eason and the kind of pressure that they're going to want to put on him, they might be able to get something done in the screen game. They might be able to take advantage of, of that upfield pressure and the, and the USC guys you know, running up to Easton with their hair on fire, and now all of a sudden, oh, wait a second, they just got Chico on a tunnel, he's gone for 50, 60 yards or whatever. So I, I think there's opportunities here because USC is going to play more aggressive, I believe, right out of the gate compared to a team like BYU.
0: You know what's cool about the game? USC ranked coming into Husky Stadium, ranked twelve thirty start i mean it all lines up i mean isn't that what we really live for scott i mean ideally don't we want that big usc game at husky stadium maybe the weather a little bit suspect and both teams ranked is there anything better than that
1: no i it's going to be football weather up the, uh, up at uh, husky stadium today you know i i'm excited about it and excited to kind of see how this thing goes because the last time washington played USC, I think Washington was favored in that game, and I think the Huskies were the better team, but they didn't play better, and they lost one of their leaders in Azeem Victor during that game, and the whole defense started to fall apart. I think Washington really needs to come out and make a statement, and what better way to do it in the nation's eyes than over USC? There might be better teams in the Pac-12 conference right now. USC may be fourth or fifth or sixth as far as quality of, of a program and, and where they're at right now, as far as who they can beat and things like that. But in the nation's eyes, in, in college football world eyes, USC is the is the bell cow for the Pac-12. And if USC is down, then the Pac-12 is seen as bad, even if they have some really good teams. Well, Washington needs to go out and put USC in its place and show the rest of the, the, the nation that, hey, it just because USC is down doesn't mean that that uh the Pac-12 is down. Final thoughts
2: going into the USC game, Chris? Yeah, just to add a little bit to what Scott just said, you know, the nation isn't looking at common opponents this early in the season when it comes to the Pac-12 conference. They're not looking at the way BYU beat USC but got handled by Washington. They're not taking a look at the Pac-12 that closely in terms of, like I said, common opponents and things like that. I agree 100% with Scott. When it comes to the country, they look to USC as kind of the barometer for how the Pac-12 is doing. And if USC is down, they're going to assume the Pac-12 is down. But with the way USC played on national TV against Utah and the you know the, their ability to kind of light things up a little bit and use this air raid attack... I think they've started to capture the attention of the country again. So this comes at a perfect time. Again, national game, Fox TV, you've got students back, 12.30, classic old school start. This is not going to necessarily have the feel of the 2016 game. This is going to have more of the feel of, like, the 1982 game, you know what I mean, With with the early start, schools back, Everybody's fired up. So I I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. And uh, the faster that Washington can get off to a hot start, uh, the better it's clearly going to be for them because you've got to put Matt Fink on the defensive right from the go.
1: Scott Eklund, final thoughts? I, I would say the biggest thing is Washington really needs to establish their running game, let Jacob Eason throw the ball down the field a little bit against their average secondary and and defensively washington definitely needs to get it done get some turnovers set their offense up in good shape uh to get to get some easy scores and some good field position washington needs to come out and dominate this game they're the better team they're the better coach team and they need to go out and prove it this is in front of husky stadium like chris said students are back in i expect the dog pack to be packed and uh, no pun intended and i think the the husky stadium will be rocking now The sad thing is because the weather will be nice and and not nice, I think we'll see a late-arriving crowd like we usually have, but hopefully we'll have quite a few people in that stadium rocking it because it needs to be rocking.
0: Hit them in the mouth fast. I think Washington needs to get out to a real early, fast start, and I think they will. I think the offensive line has something to prove. They've got the swagger, the confidence going into this game right now, expecting a big game out of the offensive line, expecting a couple of turnovers in the secondary. Again, you said the dog pack will be packed, and uh, that'll give it a cool atmosphere. Weather? I'm guessing we're going to get a little bit of everything come Saturday afternoon. Uh, just a reminder, Adidas is having a big preview party from 10 to 12 at the Rainier Vista, which is up on campus, I'm releasing a lot of the new Adidas gear and 1230 game, which means we should be able to get out of Husky Stadium maybe around 7 o'clock and be able to catch the late game Saturday. Scott, do you even know who's playing in the late game? Or Chris, who's playing in the late game?
1: I have no idea. I haven't even looked.
0: I don't know, yeah. we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So, hey, from all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund. Go dogs!
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it.